Welcome to church. Welcome. Can we have the lights on? Amen. Praise God. All right. It's a lot better for me with the lights on. Amen. We have been in a sermon series called Called and Anointed. Somebody say called and anointed. I'm excited about what God has been showing me as I've been preparing and studying and really just receiving his word. And I'm praying this morning, I asked him, I said, Lord, let me be able to translate all that you've shown me and all that you have revealed to me as I reveal it to your people this morning. And so I want to welcome everybody here that's on YouTube, y'all. Good morning. Good morning, everybody on Facebook. Good morning. Good morning, everybody here in the sanctuary. I see you guys. We got visitors on here, too, as well. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the visitors here in the house. We are ready to get into the Word. Anybody ready to get into the Word? Amen, amen. And so let's dive in. This morning, we're going to start with the book of 1 Samuel. We're going to look at uh, chapter 16. So if you have a Bible, that's great. If you don't, just kind of raise your hand. Someone will put one in your hand. Um, we're going to be on page 150 if you're using the House Bible. And y'all's voices in the back are carrying all the way to the front. So if you're in the House Bible, we're going to be on page 150. And we're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 1 through 13. If you're there, say amen. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil and go. I will send thee to Jesse and the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, take an heifer with thee and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. Verse 3, and call Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show thee what thou shalt do. And thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. We're on page 150. And Samuel did that which the Lord spake and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Comest thou peaceably? And he said, Peaceably. I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. And it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Verse 7, but the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance, 
or on the height of his stature because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Verse 8, then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither hath the Lord chosen this, then Jesse made Shammah to pass by, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, there remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy, and with the of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather to study your word again. God, we ask for your Holy Spirit to pour out a fresh fire upon us this morning. Fill us, Father God, that our hearts may be receptive to the power found in your scriptures. Open our eyes, dear God, to see beyond the external and into the heart. Oh God, as we learn from this story of David's anointing, help us to break strongholds and overcome the enemy. As we declare and decree your truth in, in our lives, in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Somebody say amen. I want to get right into this powerful scripture of how God calls the most unlikely people Hmm. looking beyond the packaging and manifesting his power in our weaknesses. I don't know about you, but that blesses me that God looks beyond the outside. I don't know about you, but that blesses me that God can work with me in my imperfections. I want us to look beyond the packaging this morning. And in today's scripture, we see God instructing Samuel to go to Bethlehem and to anoint one of Jesse's sons as the new king of Israel. Now, as we look at this, we see this is a reminder that God often looks beyond the packaging when selecting those he wants to use for his purposes. Now the world may judge us based on our appearance. 
our background, our qualifications. But God sees us so much differently. God sees our hearts. He knows our true potential. And this is a, a crucial lesson for us as Christians to learn as it can help us to recognize the value and the potential in others as well as ourselves, even when it may not be immediately apparent. When I think about my relationship and my husband, and I think about how things were so very different when we met, I imagine how different my life would be if I would have judged the package from the outside and been like, no, this ain't it. He ain't got enough money for me. Y'all see that car he came in with? He came in with a car. They didn't even, the manufacturer didn't even put a name on the car. It just said car. That's how, that's how raggedy the car was. I know y'all don't believe it. But those who've been with me for a minute know I'm not lying. But there was something on the inside as a believer, as a Christian that taught me we don't do that. We don't evaluate packages. We don't evaluate people. We don't evaluate circumstances by what we see with our natural eye. God, what are you saying? God, what are you trying to do? What is the potential here? What is this thing going to be like down the road? What is this relationship going to be like 10 years from now? What is your heart for God? See, when you begin to look at things and evaluate things and inspect them at a deeper level, you can see value and potential that other people can't see. Some people make a whole business out of that. The stuff you threw away, that you put on the curb, have you ever noticed sometimes people be riding down your street and they just start snatching stuff off the curb and you're like, that's trash. What they want with that? No, it was trash to you. But see, they got vision. They're getting ready to take it back to their workshop. They're getting ready to order that piece that you couldn't find on eBay. They're getting ready to get a little bit of Murphy's oil soap and get to sp sprucing it up a little bit. And next thing you know, it's going to get sold for twice what you pay for because they saw the value. Somebody say, see the value. When Samuel arrived at Jesse's house, he was presented with Jesse's sons who were all impressive in their own way. Samuel, like many of us, was initially drawn to the eldest son, right? Eliab. He had the appearance of a strong and capable leader. He was the oldest. However, God quickly corrected Samuel's perspective, reminding him that he does not look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. See, let me just side note for some of us who are still looking for someone who is that special someone, ask God to show you their heart. Ask God to show you their heart. I mean, you can see the fit. You can see what they got on. You can see what they driving. But you can't see the heart. Ask God to reveal to you the heart. As we continue reading this passage, we see that none of Jesse's seven sons who were present were chosen by God. Now, this makes me just want to run around this sanctuary because what it reaffirms to me is what God has for you 
is for you. You're not going to miss your breakthrough. You're not going to miss your blessing. He was way out in the field tending to sheep. They didn't even think enough of him to call him to the party. Nobody said, oh, wait, wait, wait. David ain't here. <laughs> Nobody was looking out for David. They're like, oh, it ain't him. Don't worry about him. And yet and still, they went down the line. And Samuel was like, is this all you got? There, there must be another one because I know God didn't send me here in vain and I'm supposed to anoint one of your sons and you didn't present me your sons. There, there must be another one. Let that encourage you this morning that what God wants to do for you as his son, what God wants to do for you as his daughter, he is able to do. And the fact that other people overlooked you, the fact that other people didn't think you were good enough, the fact that other people was like, oh, no, it couldn't be for her, it's for me, has no bearing on what your father is getting ready to do in your life. David was not the obvious choice based on his appearance or his position in the family. But God saw something in him that made him the perfect candidate for this role. This demonstrates that God is not limited by our human expectations or assumptions. And he is more than capable of using the most unlikely people to accomplish his purposes. Now, this truth is not only applicable to the story of David, it is also evident throughout the Bible. Do I have any Bible scholars in here this morning? It's in the Bible over and over again, and it's in the lives of many believers today, time and time again. We see God choosing the weak, the broken, the outcasts to demonstrate his power and his love. In doing so, he shows that his strength is made perfect in our weakness. He receives the glory for the work that is accomplished through us. And I just have to just really celebrate that for a moment. Sometimes we feel like I'm too broken for God to use me. Sometimes we feel like I have too, too, too bad of a past. I've made too many horrible decisions. But what we need to begin to realize is that makes you the perfect candidate when it comes to God. He is really over all these prideful people who think they know everything, that he can't tell them nothing. It's you. It's the broken. It's the one with the contrite heart. It's the one that's saying, God, just have your way in my life. I know I'm not perfect. I know I haven't made all the right decisions, but I just want you to have your way. Those are the ones that God is using. And we apply this truth in our own lives. It is essential that we learn to look beyond the packaging in others and ourselves. It is essential. It is essential. We must resist the temptation to judge ourselves or to judge others based on external factors. We've got to resist it, y'all. We've got to resist the temptation to judge others solely on their appearance 
on their background, on their qualifications. I was looking at something, this is so random, but God just brought it to my mind, so I'm gonna share it. And it was talking about how um, when LeBron James became a basketball player, his friend had absolutely zero experience in being an agent, right? And he hired him to be his agent, and now he's like the number one sought after agent in the country. No experience. We mess up a lot of times by going off of what we can see with the natural eye. And we don't have to do it. The world may have to do it, but we got the Holy Spirit. We have the benefit of being able to go deeper if we choose to do so. We have to learn how to see people like God sees people. We have to learn how to see opportunities the way God sees opportunities. The perspective can be incredibly freeing as it allows us to let go of the pressure to conform to the world's standards and expectations. And let me just say this, the new batch, this new generation, y'all got it. For real though. Leah and her generation, like I am so impressed by how unbothered that generation is what other people think. And if y'all could channel that and use that to be able to just pioneer for Christ, to be able to just go places that other people wouldn't go and do things that other people wouldn't do for the glory of God. Because see, so many of us, we're still caught up in what other people gonna think. Well, if I do this, what they gonna think? If I make this move, what they gonna think? I remember when I started my network marketing business, I was so overly consumed what other people were gonna think. Well, if I start doing this, they gonna be like, why is she doing that? And then I learned this little trick. Y'all ready for this? It's this little trick that when people give you their opinion, you log in and you check your bank account, right? And if it ain't changed, guess what? That didn't even matter. That didn't even matter. Stop allowing people to control you when what they're saying really doesn't even matter. What they think about you really isn't even impacting you in any way, shape, or form. But there is someone who we do need to be concerned about. Amen? And when we make ourselves entertainers for an audience of one, God, are you pleased? What we really begin to find out is that if I please God, the people who are supposed to be in my life are going to be pleased as well. Now, don't get confused. It don't mean that if you please God, then everybody's going to be happy with you. That's not how this works. There's still going to be people, as I said last week, who just don't understand. Because when God gave you the call, it wasn't a conference call. They weren't there. They did not hear the instructions. They do not know what God explained to you and told you to do. And you will waste a whole lot of time trying to bring them up to speed when they're not coming for the ride anyway. But if you would begin to practice and hone in, I'm telling you this, it's going to make a big difference in your life. If you would begin to just hone in on, okay, God, I am following you. I'm doing what you say do. I know I'm hearing a lot of haters. I know I'm hearing a lot of negativity, 
I know there's a lot of people in the background. Why is she doing that? Why y'all, why are you it? But I'm still following you, and I'm just believing by faith that the people who are assigned to be a part of my life are going to rock with me. The people who are called to be in my life, because they're following you too. They're praying to you too. They're believing with me that you are able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that I could ask or think to ask. And so they're going to be able to handle it. And so we begin to say, God, I want you to help me to have that kind of strength that I will follow you in this way. We have to recognize that even so, it's not in our own strength, our own intelligence, or our own abilities even, that qualify us for the work God has called us to do. And for some of us, that actually is a problem because we function in this world where we want people to jump through certain hoops and meet certain qualifications before they can have certain things. And so when we think like that, we tend to have a problem when we see people elevating, when we see God blessing people, and we don't feel that they deserve it. how she get that? She just came to church. how she already a leader? They just got here. How they already leading? I mean, come on now. Tell the truth and shame the devil. We begin to absorb the world's standards. And so we begin to judge by the world's criteria. But I'm here to remind you this morning that if we're truly going to be believers, if we're truly going to be Christians, if we're truly going to be followers of Christ, we have got to leave room for God to be God. For God to transform us into the people that he has called us to be and using us in ways that bring glory to his name. Because believe it or not, when you got it all together, it's real easy for you to think that, okay, I made it here on my abilities. But it's when, and we're judging them and we're disqualifying them because they ain't got it all together and they raggedy and they ratchet and they're this and they're that. And then when God starts to work in their life and you see God begin to change their life around and they begin to become made over again in the image of God and you stand back and you look, believe it or not, that's bringing glory to God. That's showing that God can do anything. That's showing that God can use anybody, even us. As we learn to look beyond the packaging in ourselves and in others, we will begin to see the world through God's eyes. We will recognize the potential in every person we encounter, and we will be more open to the ways in which God may be calling us to serve and to minister to those around us. Now, this perspective will not only transform our own lives, but it will also have a profound impact on the lives of those we touch. As we become instrument of God's love, grace, and power in the world, just think about it. I hadn't put it together until I started studying for this, but I'm that person that if I'm in the room and there's like a big gathering, I was at this, um, you know, I, I play a part of the community alliance here in Cuyahoga Falls, and, you know, I know a lot of the people because I go to the meetings every month, and I had happened to notice we were at this meeting 
And there was this pastor who was coming for the first time, and he was kind of sitting off in the side, and we were all laughing and talking and having a good time. And then I thought to myself, I was like, I need to go get him. And so I went to go get him, and I was like, hey, you want to come over here? You want to sit with us? And then he's sitting with us, and, you know, we're doing our thing. He's still not really, like, you know, chiming in again. But it, I just kept waiting. I'm like, I'm not a part of the official committee. You know, I'm not a part of the official organization. I just kept waiting. Like, I know somebody's going to go and welcome the guy. I know somebody's going to try to make him feel included. And then I realized that somebody is, guess who? You. You know how we be waiting on somebody else to do the very thing that God put on the reason why you're thinking about it is because God put on your heart to do it. You're the one. You're the welcome committee today. You're the one that's going to show love today. You're the one that's going to make that person feel like they belong today. You're the one. But when we're looking at the outside packaging, we don't see that. We don't see that God is getting ready to use us because there's somebody that's feeling thrown away. You don't know what they're going through. When we did our outreach ministry and some of the leaders went out to Starbucks and was giving out the coffee, they were greeted with such love, they just couldn't understand. It was just like you would have thought we were giving them houses. It was coffee. But the appreciation, you don't know what people are going through. You don't know what inner struggles. You don't know what prayers they prayed just last night and that God will use you to be an answer to prayer when you just simply show interest in someone and you show them that you care. This choice of David as king may have seemed surprising to those around him. I would venture to say his brothers were like, what? You gotta be kidding me. David, think about it. The people who know you, the people who know all your business, the people who know all your mistakes, the people who came from your neighborhood, who remember everything you ever did wrong and are happy to tell other people if they ask. And then God says, in spite of all of that, I got a plan for you. It's you I want. It's you I want to use. His life, was marked. David the shepherd boy would go on to be one of the greatest kings in Israel's history. God described him as a man after God's heart. His life was marked with both triumphs and get this, failures. Like you and I, David was not perfect. But guess what? God's anointing and presence were evident in his life. See, that's why we got to be careful when we put our mouth on God's people. They may not be perfect. And it's, let's scratch the may. They are not perfect. But that does not cancel the anointing on their life. I'll give you one real true example for me. I remember a long time ago, a friend of mine invited me to come to her church. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go. It was a really popular church. It was booming, mega church. Everybody's going to the church. So I was like, all right, let me go up here. Let me see what this is about. So I go to the church. 
And I'm like, okay, cool, praise and worship, all right, cool. So they started preaching, and I was just like, oh, Lord, this is not for me. I mean, it was just like really, really like geared to our emotion. I was like waiting for the like meat and potatoes. I was trying to like get to the scripture. I was just like, and I started getting aggravated at one point. I started crossing my hands like, are you for real? This is what they be doing up in here? And so as they kept going on, a, a spirit of judgment started coming. So I'm, cr- I'm criticizing now. I'm critiquing now. I'm like, oh, this is, what in the world? And then they had the altar call. And all these thug-like dudes started coming to the altar, giving their life to Christ. All these people started coming. And the Holy Spirit was like, and that's why you don't put your mouth on what I'm doing. That right there. This teaching ain't never going to be for you. You go find somewhere that you like the way they teach. But just because it's not for you don't mean it's not for somebody else. And I had a whole nother level of respect for that ministry after God adjusted my perspective. Because, see, I went in there looking at it from a self-centered perspective of what could it do for me. And since it couldn't do nothing for me, I was ready to throw it in the trash. But then the Holy Spirit had to say, but aren't you supposed to be kingdom-minded? It may not be able to do anything for you, but look what it's doing in the kingdom. Look at the lives that are being touched. Look at the people who resonate with that teaching. Look at the people who resonate with that message. Look at the people who were lost and now they're found. It makes you evaluate something totally different. And I say that because, and I'm in, you know, I'm in good company so I can say this with you. Sometimes Christians can be the most judgmental people. Oh my goodness. Like if something don't show up in the format that you are used to seeing, you didn't cancel it. It ain't God, it ain't of God, it ain't gonna work. I mean, you didn't shut it all the way down, and ain't nobody gave you a heaven or a hell to put anybody in. We are way out of our lane. Way. Instead, we ought to be able to see it from God's perspective. Okay, God, this may not be for me, but I pray that whatever you're doing there is a blessing to somebody else. It changes your whole perspective when you start to look at things this way. These examples, along with countless other examples, I just want to give you a couple of other ones just to prove to you that David is not an isolated incident. Consider Moses who was slow of speech and tongue, yet was chosen to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. Or think about Gideon, who was the least in his family and from the weakest clan in the tribes, yet he was called to deliver Israel from the Midianites. And let us not forget Rahab, a prostitute in Jericho. Let me say that to you again a prostitute in Jericho who played a crucial role in the Israelite conquest of the promised land. 
And it just made me think of contemporary examples. God forbid a Christian gospel artist have a rapper on their album. We ready to send them to hell immediately. <gasps> what they doing with them on their album? They not saved? How do you know that? These examples ought to help us to remember that God is not limited by human expectations or qualifications. He delights in using the weak, the broken, and the overlooked to display his power and his glory. I love how the Apostle Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 27 through 29. You can turn there, but I'm going to read it in a different translation. It says, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. King James Version says, to confound the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. See, now remember a month ago I told you that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom? Because see, for me, once I become aware of how God operates, and because I fear him, that gives me a reverence that not only do I fear and reverence God, but I don't put my mouth on God's people. Like, you just want to stay out of that. You don't know what God's doing. You don't know why he's doing it that way. You don't know why he's using them. You don't know why they the pastor. You don't know why they the worship leader. You don't know why they this. You don't know why. You don't know why God put per people where he put them. All you need to know is that God will choose foolish things to us. He will confound us. We will be stupefied trying to keep up with God. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. So why we think we know how he's going to work and flow in every circumstance is beyond me. If we're listening to the scripture, if we're believing the scripture, if we're walking by the scripture, we just go ahead and let God be God. This truth should also bring us encouragement and hope because we may not be the people who are sitting around judging. It may be the other way around. We may be the people who feel inadequate and disqualified. We may be the people who think that we cannot be used, but God sees beyond our weakness and limitations. He knows our hearts. He desires to work through us for his glory. When we feel weak, we can take comfort in knowing that God's power is made perfect in our weakness. As Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. In other words, I'm not ashamed of the fact that I'm not perfect, 
Because that brings my father glory that he's able to do what he is doing in my life in spite of my imperfections, in spite of my weaknesses. As we reflect on the story of David and all these other biblical examples, we have to ask ourselves, are we willing to be used by God? Despite our weaknesses and our shortcomings, are we open to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, allowing him to empower us and equip us for the task that he has called us to? When we embrace our dependence on God and trust in his strength rather than our own, we can experience the joy of being used by him in the ways that we never thought possible. Now, I want to kind of share one other point before we close. We've already covered that God calls the most unlikely people, and that should impact truly how we view and how we interact with others. We have to be careful not to judge others based on their outward appearance or their perceived qualifications. I'll never forget when I first started going to church Re, like really like consistently um, not just like you know Christmas and Easter and all that kind of stuff like all the time one of the things that was so interesting to me was I was a part of a, like a holiness church and I wore makeup and you wouldn't believe the amount of people who immediately wrote me off as being a heathen somebody who didn't love God didn't know God wasn't thinking about God and they knew all that in the first five seconds because I had on makeup. That alone let them know, know everything they needed to know about me. And it was so disheartening as a new Christian and a new believer. It was like, just let me get in the door first. <laughs> like, just let me get in. You got to catch the fish before you what? Clean the fish. And I don't want us to be the type of church where we have already sized somebody up, we have already evaluated them, we have already put them in hell before they can even get in the door good. Give them a chance to just come and be in the presence of God without us evaluating them, judging them, sizing them up. Give them a chance to just come and experience the love of Christ to hear the word of God. And you would be amazed how the word of God would change people's lives. Just the word, not you being mean and evil, just the word. As believers, we are called to be agents of God's love and grace in the world. Reaching out to those who feel unworthy reaching out to those who feel unqualified. We must be willing to look beyond the surface and see the heart just as God does. By doing so, we can help others discover their God-given potential and encourage them to step into the plans and the purposes he has for their lives. I want to give you this one last final point before we close, and I won't be able to give you all the things I wanted to share about this point, but I do just want to leave you with this. Manifesting God's power in our weaknesses is really a central theme throughout the Bible. 
And the story of David's anointing is not an exception. He wasn't the most obvious choice for king. He was the youngest of his brothers, a shepherd boy, and not considered as important as his older siblings. Yet God chose him because of his heart and his willingness to be used by the Lord. I want you to understand that this morning as we close because the one thing I was showing to me is that, you know, our world is changing. And a lot of times when our world changes, it can create panic because we're not sure how things are going to pan out. What is that going to mean for me? And I'm, I'm reminded of a, a not too long ago decision that was made by our Supreme Court that had a lot of us up in arms. And for, for good reason, I understand that many of us felt that this was something that could negatively impact our future, negatively impact our children. And one of the things that I came across as I was studying this was, there may be some decisions that were made in our land that says that we're not going to make any academic decisions. We're not going to take into consideration a person's background or their, their race or what they've gone through when we're deciding who we're going to admit to a college. And I know for many of us that's something that is a step backwards. But I want to say this to you this morning. If you are a believer, the Supreme Court and nobody else has the final say over what God is getting ready to do in your life. You cannot. The Supreme Court cannot. Nobody cannot stop the favor of God in your life. The favor of God will open doors for you that no man can shut. The favor of God will cause people to make decisions for you that don't even make sense. The favor of God will cause you to be able to get the loan even though your credit score is below what was stated on the application. The favor of God would cause you to get in the school even though your GPA was lower than anybody else you know that go to the school. Do you understand that? Do you understand that there's certain things that are not governed and ruled by the people who seem to have rule over you? They may be your supervisor. They may be your president. They may be your Supreme Court. They may be your governor. They may be somebody who has authority here in this earthly realm. But when you begin to tap into what I'm teaching you this morning, when you begin to realize that there is an authority that reigns above every authority that you can see or touch or know of, and that when God opens a door for you, when God chooses you, it don't matter what nobody else got to say about it. When God decided he wanted David, it didn't matter that David was out in the fields. It didn't matter that he smelt like sheep. It didn't matter that he was the youngest. When God chooses you, when God has a plan for your life, when God wants to do something through you, nobody else has the power or the ability to disqualify you. And I give him praise for that. Does anybody just thank God for that? Can we just pray and give God thanks and praise? God, I thank you. God, I praise you. God, I lift you up that 
Your criteria is so different than the world's criteria. God, I thank you that your ways are so different than the world's ways. I thank you that your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. I thank you that when you make a decision about us, Father, that it is the final say and that you have authority over our lives. So, Father, I ask you right now, I ask that you would just begin to pour a boldness and a, a level of faith in our hearts that we would begin to believe you like never before, that we begin to serve you like never before, that we will pursue you like never before, believing that you can do all things believing that we are not disqualified, believing that our history and our background does not disqualify us for what you desire to do in our life, believing that, in fact, the things that we've gone through just prepared us for where it is that you're taking us, just believing that the mistakes we've made just prepared our hearts to have compassion on others. God, I thank you that you chose each and every one of us for such a time as this. I thank you that you're going to get the glory out of our life, both the triumphs and the failures. I thank you, Father, that you're going to get the glory out of this church in our growth and in our ability to see and serve the lost. I thank you, Father God, that you're going to get the glory out of everything you're doing right here, right now. And we thank you in advance because we are not waiting to see it manifest. We are walking by faith and not by sight. We are seeing in people potential. We're not looking by sight. We're not judging outward appearance. I thank you, God, that you're giving us your heart and that we will see your people the way that you see them. We thank you for all of this in advance. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.